Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let the show begin. Damn. Y'all feel that? Oh. This is the Finesse Media Podcast. Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, Ooh. entertainment, Ladies and, gentlemen. and surprise co-hosts. You put me in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media. Man, when that explosion hit, it seems like it just get me ready each and every time. Welcome back to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media, and I'm back with something brand new. And y'all already know I'm hyped. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk to my featured guest tonight, my crab brother. Um, 2003, we craft at University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff together. Can't wait to speak with musician, Grammy Award-winning musician, Chris Johnson, y'all. So my UAPB family, get ready, man, because we, uh, I'm sure, is getting ready to talk about things that we did in the band, things that he's doing now as a dad. He's from Inglewood, so Inglewood to Hollywood. But also, if you're just checking us out, make sure that you subscribe, like, uh, comment, share. We need to know how we're doing, how I'm doing, any feedback. We certainly want to know. So hit me up, finessemediapodcast at gmail.com. And also check us out on our Facebook page, um, Can Finesse Media, and Instagram page, at Finesse Media, and also the YouTube. So for the visual show of this whole circus, go to my YouTube page, the Finesse Media Podcast on YouTube. And also, if you don't know, we spotlight HBCUs each and every week on the podcast, proudly display them and also talking to people about their experience at the HBCU. So this week, my HBCU uh, is Winston-Salem State University. Can't wait to talk to uh, Brianna, who attended that university. She's an alumni of the university, so certainly can't wait to chop it up with her. And I can't do this uh, podcast without my sponsors. So we're going to get into our sponsors and be back with the HBCU of the week. People have never needed financial stability like they do now since the Great Depression of the 1920s. You've worked all year and must file your yearly tax return. JRB Tax Services are here to make sure families get their maximum refund. JRB Tax Services is a company that puts families first, fast, reliable, dependable. JRB Tax Services. Contact JRB Tax Services now at 469-262-9272 or email BilboTaxServices at gmail.com. That's B-I-L-B-O Services at gmail.com. Facebook, Jeremy Bilbo. Instagram, at JRB underscore tax services. 
Historically black colleges and universities, commonly called HBCUs, are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principle was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. Y'all already know. I say it every week. It's my favorite part of the show. The HBCU of the Week is Winston State Sorry, getting it on wrong already. But Winston-Salem State University, and as mentioned right before the break, coming to us and giving her experience uh, while she attended the university is my guest joining for the first time on the Finesse Media Podcast. Snap your fingers, make some noise for Brianna. Well, I'm going to call her Bri. What's up, lady? (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. I love, I love the music on this podcast. I love the music. It's so good. Bree, we having a good time on this thing. So thank you for joining <laughs> this podcast uh, to tell us about your experience at WSSU. Uh, y'all have a good time, too. I, I posted something on my Instagram page um, about your band. And the band, you know, I was a band uh, mate, so I'm, I'm digging y'all band already. I, I haven't never been to the campus, uh, but your band is certainly rocking it out. Yes, Red Sea of Sound is um, top notch, yes. <laughs> Man, so tell our listeners, Brianna, uh, when did you attend uh, Winston State, uh, Winston Salem State University? Started my journey at the Winston Salem State University in um, 2010, and I graduated in 2014. No, it's not that long ago. It feels <laughs> like it, though, right? Because when you say That's 2014, right. I'm like, well, I graduated in 2003, Bree. So, you know, I'm over oh, here yeah. like, yo. <laughs> right. So, no, we're not. We're, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. No, but what was your major? <laughs> um, I majored in mass communication, and um, I did have a minor in Spanish, but you know, it came to the end of the year, and it came to 2014, and it was like, do you want to graduate, or do you want to finish these last two classes? And I'm going to be honest, I was like, I'm going to graduate. So I had to drop the minor, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I do still, you know, dabble in other languages. So. <laughs> okay, all right, bilingual, Spanglish. Um, so, no, I, and that's, that's super dope, because double majoring uh, at an HBCU uh, can be challenging, just because for me, and I talk with many uh, HBCUs, uh, people alike, that can agree. That experience is so fun. You, I rarely had time to go to class. I just remember walking to class <laughs> and you got in front of the student union, parties going on, or you're getting the flyer for something coming up. But while you were at the school, uh, WSSU, uh, did you do yeah. anything? Were you a part of any social clubs, act, you know, any organization? Yes, yes. So I was um, actually a part of our university choir underneath the wonderful Mrs. Burke. Um, and I was able to travel and sing with them for um, for three years, from my freshman year to oh, my wow. senior year. Yes, so that was, um, oh, my goodness, that was an experience that I didn't know I needed, but that I needed. Um, you know, my youth family, like, loved them so much. Um, 
And it was just a great experience. And actually through the university choir, um, because like I said, I'm a math comm major, I was able to actually do my first um, like solo documentary. And so I was able to document oh, wow. our whole uh, our whole tour for my, I think it was my fresh, this is my freshman year or my sophomore year. It was, uh, I think it was my sophomore year. I was able to document our whole tour, and that was really fun. And to be able to, like, look back at it and just see how much I've grown since then, too, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, that was yeah. one, of the main, uh, one of the main things that I was a part of. I was also part of our uh, RAM TV. I was uh, the program director for the station my senior year, but I was involved with it um, all four years. I was actually, I was also a part of our campus activities board um, and our campus market marketing life committee. Um, what else was I involved? I was, I was involved in a lot of different things. Brie, I should have said, Brie, <laughs> no, no, keep going. Because I should have said, Bree, what did you not do on campus? Damn, Bree. Okay, but I want to go back to the music because as mentioned, being the band, so we definitely share this musical love, and I would love to see the documentary of your journey, uh, you know, being the choir, that whole film. So if you can share it, email it, uh, or tell me the link to go watch it, I certainly want to catch up and watch that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, yes. yeah, oh, it was. So, it was. So being on campus, you you know you matriculate, you're involved in everything. It seems like the campus had to offer, but you had to at some point leave. So what are you doing now, you know, post 2014 uh, in your professional career? Yeah, so you know, like many people, when you you know, no matter where you're going in life, after you graduate, you have all these plans, and um, you know they seem great in your mind. But then, when you have to actually get into the real world, paying bills, all of that, everything hits you. Um, you do have to sometimes rework your plan. And so, I originally had plans mm-hmm. to graduate and move to LA and start making movies, um, but um, that didn't happen. But I was able to uh, move back to DC, and I was um, able to live in DC for a few years. And then um, I'm still here in the DMV, and so I have been able to now, after years of freelancing, I work um, with a lot of different companies doing um, different jobs throughout D.C. and um, and throughout, you know, the DMV area, working um, with nonprofits, and also one more thing, I was able to work on the film HBC Rising uh, with their marketing and that was um, a lot of fun, and I was able to learn so much more about all the HBCUs that we have. So, um, so yeah, that's, if anybody hasn't seen that film yet, please make sure you see it. It's the first documentary that has been done on HBCUs, um, and it's, it was done by a PBS, so definitely um, check that out. But I was able to get involved with different things. Um, throughout my time while I was freelancing, I was working, you know, different part-time jobs so I could have, like, a flexible schedule to still fulfill my uh, my dreams and my what I majored in in math comm. And then um, recently, um, over the past um, two years, I've been working for Radio 1 DC, which, as many know, is um, okay. owned by, yes, Kathy Hughes, and who is a big advocate for HBCUs. And um, and who is a um, Howard alum, and um, and so I was. I'm able to work here now. I'm an online editor, 
And so I manage our website for all of our DC radio stations, as well as with our virtual, uh, or well, now they're virtual events, but with our events and with um, any uh, promotions or any uh, activities that go on digitally, I'm uh, managing all of that currently. And I'm also still um, writing films and uh, working with my fellow um, Winston friends and family um, in helping to collaborate and still work on projects um, that are that will be coming out soon, hopefully. Who, <laughs> Bree? Again, what are you not doing? So now I ask, what the hell are you not doing professionally? My goodness. So the trajectory of your career is continuing on to what I say to all of the people that come on, uh, HBCU or my future guest tonight, is you're finessing the mother-loving game. I say it in the best way, Queen. <laughs> Keep doing your thing. I mean, because really, I mean, yes. you rolled out the red carpet. Literally, it seems like, and, you know, a mass comm major, you know, also speaking English and Spanish. But and with all of that being said, my final question to you is what I ask every single HBCU alum and current HBCU student who joins me on this HBCU of the week. Tell our listeners. What would you say, and what's your response to someone who tells you that your experience at your HBCU does not matter, and the quality of the education that you receive at your HBCU is not equivalent to the education that you receive or could have received at a predominantly white institution? 30 seconds. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, okay, that's all I get, okay. <laughs> um, <it's>, um, <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah, no, you very... don't have 30 seconds. Give it to us <laughs> in your most authentic way. You don't have 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah it's it's um it's it's really tricky because it's like I can't nobody can say if you went to an HBCU like I can't say like oh if this would have been different if I went to another school I don't know but I know that um God placed me at this at Winston for a reason and I know that my journey there I took advantage of every moment that I could I started from from freshman year and I kept going the whole time so, and I know other people who have gone to um, big top name schools who weren't able to accomplish the same things that, you know, that I might have accomplished or other HBCU graduates have accomplished. And it's okay to have mm-hmm. like this big name, the big name or whatever. But um, another thing that I've taken from other people who have gone to non-HBCUs is just that they're like, I don't even talk to anybody that I went to college with. Maybe one person, maybe da da da, but it's a huge community. Like I love scrolling through my timeline, and even though I don't live in North Carolina anymore, I feel like I know what's going on in North Carolina because it's just like everybody <laughs> is so connected. Everybody is like That's promoting home. everybody else. Yes, and it's like it's still family. I st- like all the time. Like um, people will reach out to me, hey, breathe this, that, da da da. Like you know, even if I haven't talked to them in years. It's still like, you know, you pick up right where you left off. So, and I know that a lot of people say this, but it's about the experience. It's about the da da But it's, it's the experience on top of the real-life lessons that you learn in the classroom oh. as well Ooh. as out, outside of the classroom. Because the teachers at HBCUs, they are experienced with um, book smarts and with street smarts, and they're going to give it to you, <laughs> you know, like, with no <laughs> They're just like, no. Straight no This is what you really need to look out for. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Thank you, Brie, for sharing. And 
you're doing a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and I do see you on the social media. So make sure our listeners can keep up with you and see what you got going on and what you got coming up, and uh, share your social media with us. Um, you can follow me at Vids by Bree. That's V I D S B Y B R E. That's what's up. Well, Bree from Winston-Salem State University, thank you so much for joining and representing your school, home of the Rams, very well tonight on this uh, episode. Coming right up is my homeboy from the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, Chris Johnson. And Janine, if you're listening, baby, you got to keep sending me people like this. This is who I'm going to call <laughs> to get my HBCUs for the rest of the season. So, Janine, thank you, Queen, uh, for sending such a, a gem uh, to this episode tonight. Bree, thank you so much for joining the episode of Finesse Media Podcast. If you want to stick around? Thank you. And check out the rest of the episode. Please do, Queen. But if nothing else, continue to finesse the game, and uh, I'll uh, see you on the next side of this track, okay? All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Queen. You have a good night. And coming up, y'all, is Chris Johnson. I already uh, prepared it for you. He's a trombonist. He's traveled the world with Beyonce, Lettuce, Dr. Dre. The list goes on and on. I'm going to actually try to get through this list I'm looking at. I see Chris Johnson has joined the virtual space. I'm going to take a quick commercial break and come back with my special Vanessa for episode 16. Chris Johnson, Grammy Award winning trombonist all the way from the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, but he's traveled from Inglewood all the way to Hollywood. We'll be back with something brand new. Bree, I appreciate you, baby, and keep Vanessa the game. Welcome back. Another episode of Finesse Media Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media. And as I mentioned before the break, we got someone on again this week that's finessing the game. My bro, uh, listen, known this guy for so many years um, from Arkansas, um, Pine Bluff, being in the band with this guy. And also, but he's from L.A., been doing this thing and been watching his journey. And, and welcome to the podcast for the first time, my bro, Chris Johnson. What's up, bro? What up, man? Thanks for having me, man. Man, definitely, man. Thanks for coming on. Before you break into all this and you let people know what you've been doing, and, and for those that don't know, you will be following my brother afterwards because this conversation is going to be great. It's one to be had for a long time, um, but someone has been finessing the game. 
So Chris sent me an email after I said, Chris, I need you to come on, bro. Chris said, perfect, bro. I definitely got you, CB. Uh, Crab Brother, for those who's listening, those that don't know what that means. But Crab Brother hit me up and said, bro, definitely I'll hit you up. And I got a bio for me. Bro sent me this stupid long list of the things that he's been doing. And what I wanted y'all to know is that I think 47 episodes in season two, we've up to maybe 10 plus episodes in now season three. I've never had a guest on that has the list of credentials that this brother has, and I'm so happy to have him on. I'm happy to say all his credentials so we can already just set the pace. But starting in 2014, these are the things that my brother has done. Worked with Tyler Perry on the 45th birthday celebration. In 2014, he worked with Under the Street Lamp. The Ready to Roll Tour in 2014, the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas Residency in 2015, an American Idol Christmas special in 2015. He worked with Raheem Devine and Leela James. Man, you know that was hot. With the Love and Soul Experience Tour in 2015, an afternoon with the President Obama Democratic Committee. In 2016, he worked with Lita James again on the Don't Want Your Back single. In 2016, he worked with the Brandon Brown Collectors with What You're On single. In 2016, the City of Los Angeles Prince tribute concert. Like, just pause. Did you hear that? In 2016, <laughs> the City of Los Angeles Prince tribute concert. In 2016, Salon knows a seat at the table. 2017, Mary J. Bly, love yourself. Bro, this 2017, this list goes all the way up to 2020. My bro, again, from L.A., Inglewood, California, joined the podcast for the first time, nominated for several Grammys, Earth, Wind, and Fire performance. I'm sorry, nominated for several Grammys, the 2020 Skip Marley, Higher Place album, Grammy Nod. Also nominated for the 2020 Beyonce Black Parade single Grammy Nod. Bro, you have been finessing the game and continuing to do it in 2019 Skip Marley featured with her Slow Down, a single Grammy Nod. This brother been finessing the game for so many years. I've been ready to talk to him, not so much about what I've mentioned, but how he's continued to do it, being a dad, being an entrepreneur, being many different things and so many talents. This is one of the best, I'm going to say right now, finesses that has joined this podcast this season, my brother, Chris Johnson, bro. Welcome again. Bro, that was quite an intro, man. Listen, Thank you. stumbled on a lot of stuff, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth it. So, brother, my brother, welcome again to the podcast. Met you in 2003 in the Marching Musical Machine of the Mid-South Band. Sure, I proudly display fair. this every week so people don't forget that we bleed. And we also repping black and gold. Yeah. He's wearing his shirt. Uh, I'm wearing my shirt. This is anniversary of EX and DP. Shout out to the brothers and the sisters of Kappa Kappa Psi National Honorary Band Fraternity and Tau Beta Sigma National Honorary Band Sorority. Happy 50 years, Delta Pi. And uh, is it Epsilon Chi? Epsilon Chi, yes. Sir. Mess us up, man. We had our brother Jerome Chapman on last week. Your bro. Kappa Kappa side, but my bro, again, what's been up with you, bro? Seemed like you left the yard, and it's like you've been everywhere around the world. Man, I, I have traveled a lot of places. Such a blessing, man, to do what I always envisioned myself doing from just a little kid, you know? Um, you know, I, when I started uh, playing music, uh, I was in the third grade. You know, I started playing with the cello, you know, 
and actually started with the recorder. You know how, how school started, everybody was a recorder back then. It started with the recorder, and I joined the, the choir, and I wanted to do everything musical, you know. And with the cello, when I started the cello, my mom took me to see the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra, um, which is like one of the top orchestras in the whole entire world. Um, and she sat me right in front of the cellos, you know, and I had just started playing. And my mom said, yeah, these are professional musicians. And at that time, up until that point, professional, I associated that with an athlete, professional basketball player, mm. MLB, you know, so professional, the pro, pro players, but you could be a professional musician too. Like that's what I, so I always just like that word professional. I said, when I grow up, I want to be a professional musician, you know, and I never, I never left that dream. And that's what I'm doing today. And I'm just super grateful and I don't take it for granted at all. Man, you are incredibly busy and definitely taking this talent that you said starting at 11 years old and now doing it over 20 years later, not telling your age, but still uh, being able to do that, man. But starting off at UAPB, let's rewind it back uh, for those that, you know, uh, don't know. You started playing in the uh, college band UAPB uh, as a trombonist. So killing the trombone, man, uh, how was that experience like being at HBCU? you know, coming from California? Man, culture shock. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I got like a little history with HBCUs, like out, and out here in California, in the black community, HBCUs are very prestigious, you know? It's like going to like, almost like going to an Ivy League school. Like, oh, are you going to Clark Atlanta? Are you going to Howard? Are you going to, you know, all of the, the list, you know, the list of HBCUs, mm-hmm. HBCUs. They looked at, you know, with high regard. And, and also my, my band director, um, his dad, uh, Conrad Hutchison, uh, started like the whole HBCU style at Grambling back in the day, you know, and, and he, he would always like try to get us to watch the videos of the Bayou Classic and he would show us and, and expose us to, to HBCU culture that way, you know, we were trying to emulate it, but we were so far away, you know, we never actually <laughs> saw a live HBCU band, you know, mm-hmm. um, well, my first time actually seeing one was, um, I think I was in, in the 12th grade went and went to Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is a quick drive away from L.A., uh, like four hours. And we saw uh, Grambling versus Tennessee State. I got to go to an HBCU and I got to march in the band, you know. Um, and at the time, I had planned to go to Grambling because my band director's history of Grambling, he would always, like, you know, show us Grambling, Grambling, Grambling. Um, but a recruiter named Saul Jamerson from UAPB um, came to my school, called me out of my uh, called me out of my class, um, and introduced me to UAPB. This guy never went to UAPB; his wife did, um, okay. but he was just an avid recruiter for UAPB, and he still does it today. I think he's like in his 90s now, um, but he loves UAPB to death. And he 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 said, you know, you can get a scholarship if you just do this little audition video. And I I played some scales and I played. Um, uh like a home video because i I did this like omega sci-fi talent hunt out here and shaka shaka khan was like um one of the judges um they had a whole bunch of celebrity judges and i got like second place in that talent show uh playing my trombone and i sent them that video and i got a full scholarship to uapb and i said man i guess i'm going to arkansas (laughs) cool you know (laughs) you know dream fulfilled of going to an hbcu you know um but even though like Drumline had just come out, you know, like, uh, yeah, 
and YouTube wasn't a thing then either. So yeah. I really didn't have no, I had no clue what I was walking into at all. Drumline was pretty much my, my reference point, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I had no clue, but as I, as you know, it's totally different than no, the movie, was... you know, uh, people take that thing seriously. You know, mm-hmm. we and, it was for me the same being from Chicago. They, you weren't exposed to like HBCUs. We had band programs and, and bands in Chicago. You know, we we had those battles, but yeah, it was it was a culture shock and it was a different you know thing for me as well. Yeah, just, and then and not just the band was a culture shock, just the environment. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the lack of sidewalks, the lack of. <laughs> Just better everywhere, you know. Now, those sidewalks was killing. I was like, "Yo, so we just supposed to walk in the grass, just in right, time. right." Yeah, man. And I'm coming from L.A. Inglewood, you know, born and raised in the city. You know, as you know, Chicago, and I lived in the Chicago area too. So, uh-huh. totally different than where we were in the middle of nowhere, you know. But that was that became our home, and you know, I cherish those memories, those friendships I made, lifelong friendships. You know, lessons learned from from being in classes and just from being there period mm-hmm. you know those are our formative years um when we we're officially adults you know away from home not living in our parents anymore we got our you know yep. first apartments out there you know mm-hmm. paying rent and stuff like that you know the first time you know and i i totally cherish those memories for sure and and i totally advocate you know if you're going to go to college you know not everybody needs to go to college first of all i always advocate mm-hmm. that you know um but if you're going to go to college um, definitely looking to go into an HBCU. First of all, I'm always, you know, uh, favorable to UAPB. I, I, I definitely, I got a, uh, one of my, my private students, I've been teaching this whole uh, pandemic. Um, when I posted my flyer, he had just started taking lessons with me. I posted it like a, I'm doing lessons. You know, I, I normally don't get to do lessons at all because I'm traveling so much and I'm mm-hmm. just so busy here in town. I don't feel like I can fully commit to students, you know, uh, the way I want to, but you know, this guy Blake Johnson uh, signed up with me, taught him the whole pandemic, called Mr. Graham, and he didn't even actually audition. He did audition, but Mr. Graham didn't see his tape. But just on my word, Mr. Graham gave him a full scholarship. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. That's yeah. dope. And I've seen that you you do lessons out in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how how has that been? I mean, during the pandemic, are you still able to you know do? Are you still doing virtual lessons? Virtual lessons, yeah. So. Like I said before, like before the pandemic, I really wasn't into doing that many lessons, you know, because I just felt like I couldn't commit to students. But uh, now I have all the time in the world. Yep. So, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, anybody out there right now, you know, you want to learn anything music uh, when, it, when it comes to the business. That's another thing uh, I want to talk about, like um, for, for young and up and coming musicians, whether it be instrumental musicians, producers, write, songwriters. Um, artists, singers, songwriters, whatever you are, learn music business, um, music, like the actual business side of music. There's way more to music than writing the song and recording the song and putting out the song. There's so much that goes into it behind the scenes, like getting a manager, getting a publicist, um, you know, signing with the right label if you're going to go that route, um, you know, distribution. There's so much um, copyright laws, you know, um, there's so much that goes into it. Um, there's actually a book that I've been reading. Like, I read it in grad school, but I'm rereading now. It's called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. Mm-hmm. And that book literally it breaks it down for musicians. Like, it, it's guy, it's this guy. Um, 
last name, I think his name is Tasman, last name Tasman. Uh, but just look it up, everything you need to know about music, it breaks it down uh, for musicians. Mm-hmm. And that's so, just some of the things I was going to ask you too, Chris, being on tour uh, all these years. But in the very beginning, or maybe still now, what are some things that you learn uh, or have learned about the music business uh, that you just didn't know before? Man, and not, I'm, go ahead. I'm still, I'm still learning. My, I'm still learning myself. Um, but you know, if you don't know like the business, you, it's very easy to get taken advantage of. Mm. Um, for example, like uh, if you're doing a lot of recording sessions um, as an instrumentalist, I play the trombone. For most of my work, you know, I play other instruments here and there too, but mostly it's done on the trombone. So I'm doing a lot of recording sessions for different artists, um, you know, and a lot of times we go through what's called the musicians union. Um, and a lot of times when you go through the musicians union, you, you're entitled to, if, if that song that you played on gets, um, play, gets, gets placed in a movie or a TV show, you're, you're entitled to what's called backend or royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, that's additional money than just going to the recording session and getting paid for your time at the recording session. You know what I'm saying? There's, that's a fee itself, yourself, but you also are entitled to that back end if you go through the, the musicians union. Um, that mean, go through the musicians union means you're re- that you're represented. They're going to fight for those royalties for you. You know what I'm saying? So your musician, with the, um, that's the your local musician union. Uh, if you're an instrumentalist, if you're a singer, uh, you go through SAG, um, which is the Screen Actors Guild. So that's for singers and, and actors. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, just joining a musician union or a musician or your, your union, period. Um, get represented, you know, get, get you an agent, get you a team. Um, that's one thing I really, really learned uh, during... Uh, my up and coming years, just the importance of, of a team, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and a network of musicians and, and music directors, people you know, because that's how you really progress and continue to get more and more work, the more connections you have. And th- I'm sure that's been happening a lot, being on tour and, and kind of working with some of the same people on different projects. Uh, so talk about that, like doing that experience, being on tour, what are some of the uh, great things about being on tour uh, that you've experienced uh, and then some of the things that you like man here we go again with this stuff so <laughs> um, so one thing I really loved about um, traveling and being on, on, on the road being on tour is seeing the sights I've always wanted to, to see the world and especially with the Beyonce tour we literally saw the entire almost like the whole world you know it's a, <laughs> Most continents, you know what I'm saying? Um, went to Africa, we went to India, we went to all over Europe, you know? Um, and he, we even touched um, China coming back, you know? Um, uh, it's just super, super dope to see the world. And I love to see like the sites, the cathedrals, the just the, you know, the landmarks, the Eiffel Tower, you know, you name it. Africa was one of my favorite trips, period, you know? We were there for like around ten days, and we only put, we only had one show there. Uh, the rest of the time, we got to. Wow! So you're there for like ten days, and you only have one show. So what were you all doing during that time? I think I may have seen some of the footage that you you posted, but what were y'all doing for ten days in Africa? Like that's crazy, and then only performing for one show. 
so what happened was, so we, we did one show. I think we were going to be out there like um, a few days before the show just for like make sure we do the sound check and everything like that. We have a day of the rest or whatever. Um, but then Beyonce got another uh, a gig that we, and MD hit us up. Can, are you guys available, you know, to do this gig? And we're like, yeah, we out here. Let's go. <laughs> we ended up staying out there longer. Uh, just to, to hold us over to that gig because the gig wasn't over, you know, it was a few days away. Um, but we we went on a safari, saw all these different animals, lions, you know, um, the typical things you do when you go to Africa. That's the, and, you know, we, we met some natives like, man, why do, every time you guys come over, you guys want to see lions. Like, that's all we're about. They were like so offended by that. I was just mad. Such a different perspective. But we, we still want to go see those lions. Uh, saw Mandela's house, you know, that was, that was a beautiful thing um, to see where he grew up in Soweto, um, South Africa, which mm-hmm. is like right by, it's a township outside of uh, Johannesburg, where we were at, Johannesburg. Um, super great time. One of the most memorable trips of my life, for real. Um, and then just, the, we were out there for, for Mandela's 100th birthday, um, Mandela 100 Global Citizens Festival, and everybody performed, um, wow. Usher, Pharrell, uh, the biggest stars in the world were there. Oprah was there, like hosting, you know, and of course Beyonce and Jay Z. Yeah, like but the, was that bigger than Coachella, man? Because shit, I mean, that that broke the house. I mean, Coachella was incredible too, and that was my first time being in front of a crowd of like <laughs> 125,000 people. You know, like Coachella has multiple stages all over, but when Beyonce performed, you know. The whole is like it's one is one crowd. That's that is the show. You know, all those stages are dark. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody who's at Coachella is at that. You know, for the main. And my wife was yeah. went to my, my wife went to uh, second weekend because it's two weekends, and she was in that sea of, of people. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was but, cool. yeah, it was, was crazy. Cool. Now, growing up in California, have you ever gone to Coachella before? No, you know, I've never really been um, a person to go to, like, big, huge concerts. I like my concerts to be more intimate, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I'll go to a show, um, and maybe somebody's at, at, a, at a club or a theater or something like that, but I don't like to go to uh, big, big arenas and big, you know, I just feel like I can't enjoy it. As man, much. you can't tell, Chris. I mean, well, I guess you like to perform in them, though. Because, oh, man, yeah. y'all have a like it. Chris, I see you on stage back there, bro. Y'all having a lot of fun. You and your yeah. uh, your bandmate. Uh, I had actually your bandmate on last season, uh, Ari O'Neal. Shout out to Ari O'Neal. She's definitely hey. still finessing the game and doing yes, different projects. Yeah, yeah Ari O'Neal. Super talented. You know, when we were on the road, we got to go to uh, our – Jay-Z's drummer, Boots Green, he uh, would host these jam sessions here and there. Like, we, we did one in Warsaw, we did one in Detroit, we did one, um, I think, in Vancouver, Canada, and all the musicians from, from both bands would come out, and, and local musicians, wherever we were, and we will just jam out, and I remember just seeing Ari stretch, like, <laughs> just really go, like, oh, like, man, Ari can play. Because, you know, when we're playing on stage, she's playing parts. She's playing these guitar parts that are needed to, to make the sound of the record. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She she doesn't get to stretch as much. You know, she gets a solo here and there, but just hearing her just playing, I was like, man, all due respect to Ari, because she was incredible. 
No, Arby, man. Uh, the whole we, band, you know, that that experience. And that's crazy, too. Like, the entire band, it's, it's almost like, as a musician, you, you, you follow these people because of the, the, the talent. But these are some dope, humble folks um, mm-hmm. that, that really just love music. And, yeah. you know, and, and much like yourself, man. So, but being Grammy nominated, winning Grammys, you know, uh, I don't know where the plat at. We, you got the plat somewhere we can see it. But how was that receiving um, that nomination, brother, uh, and that award? You know, Grammy nominated, Grammy award winner. You know, for working well, on. I, 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 I always say I, I didn't win the Grammy. You know, Beyonce won the Grammy. You oh, know, okay, okay. You know, I, was, I, I, I played a small, very small part. I played a little trombone on it. You know, oh, uh, but but you know, they also they also say like what really makes a hit a hit. You know. Um, like, is it the guitar part? Is it the vocal? Is it the beat? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know? So I feel like some some people feel like the beat is a part of the, is what makes it a hit. And so I was like, man, I played a small part on, you know, on the music part of it, you know? Uh, but I can't take credit for winning a Grammy. I was like, no, Beyonce won that. <laughs> but that's your project. But being a part of that project, you know, having to take some credit for just being a part of that project and with the ensemble of an amazing, you know, uh, craft of, of talented people. That must feel some kind of way to you, Chris. Yeah, I, I feel like just to be a part of something that was received the way it was and the, that people, like, are moved by it, especially, mm-hmm. like, like songs like Black Parade, like, that song came out in a time where the whole entire world was protesting and 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 mourning George Floyd and and Breonna Taylor, you know. I, hopefully, people still are and 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 doing things. But um, that song came out, Black Parade, and the lyrics that she was spitting in that record. And I was like, man, I can't believe I'm a part of this. this yeah, you know, super honored. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, wish would wish to be in my position. Some of the things I've done just to. I playing the trombone, I just it just blows my mind because I'm like, yeah. man, I'm a trombone player. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's crazy. A shout out to Akila Watts, who's also on the West Coast from Chicago, but it, you know, out there, humbly, humbly holding it down as well, uh, and being a musician. Yeah, and and that's what I love about you too, man. And and you know, you guys are still playing the music. I put the sax down. I'm now packing up the mic, <laughs> but I, I totally respect the craft. But I didn't know that you attended Northern Illinois University and you dibble and dabble up into my hometown in Chicago. So um, how was that attending that university coming from HBCU? But I know it's cold in the shower, also and up north. So talk to our listeners about that experience being at Northern Illinois uh, University and the things that you did while you were there. Okay. So first of all, I got connected through, to that school through UAPB as well. Sweet. Uh, Clark Terry, who was a legendary jazz master, legendary, like one of the most incredible trumpet flugelhorn players in the in the world. You Man, know, rest in power, um, brother. Yes, yes. He was he just his hundredth birthday was was just a couple days ago. Um, but this man was the first black uh, musician to be hired full time for NBC. He was playing on this night show band, you know. And he's one of the very first, uh, very few guys to play for Count Basie and Duke Ellington, which were two of the, the biggest um, jazz or Black American music, you know, that you can get, big bands you can get. He played for both of them, you know. Uh, but we did these things called the, the, the Clark Terry Jazz Festival in Pine Bluff. And both years, 
this guy named Ron Carter, Ronald Carter from Northern Illinois. He was the jazz uh, studies director at Northern Illinois. He came down to help basically Clark Terry to get set up because he knew Clark Terry for many, many years. Uh, I think they met probably in the 70s or so, you know. And so he helped Clark Terry get set up down here and he would do classes and master classes with the jazz band. And he felt that uh, I, I had potential. And he said, you should think about coming to Northern Illinois for grad school. Um, and he brought his big band down there and they showed us like what the, what the real deal like big thing <laughs> was, you know, we thought we were doing something, but when we heard them, we we're like, oh man, I, I have to go to that school. I was, it was no other question about it. So, uh, but that experience was incredible. Um, incre it was life-changing. It just, it opened my eyes to so much. Uh, Ron Carter, he, he's, he's a legendary jazz uh, educator. Um, taught, he teaches, he still teaches all over the world today, you know. But bro, how I'm going to take it back to the yard and and have us to go back down memory lane and kind of ask you, our late great Jerome Hudson, uh, one of the great arrangers in the world, uh, kind of taught us a lot and was one of the most, uh, I think, intellectual music geniuses that wrote music that I knew, someone that I uh, look towards before even coming to the university marchingsport.com shout out to that website i don't even know if that is that's even you know running anymore but that's why i first encountered jerome hudson and then my journey on the uapb but what was that encounter like man um being under jerome hudson uh, leadership uh, and musicianship while attending pamela you know uh hud as we called him hud. hud yeah yeah uh, I always respected arrangements um, because they, to me, um, you know, there were some great hits written by students as well, but I could always tell when Hood wrote the arrangement because it was a certain level of maturity um, that came because he had been doing it for so many years. And it was like a, the sound of M4, you know. Uh, even when I talked to other, like, quote-unquote band heads, as you call it, you know, people, they would never, they never give, M4, the props of being the best, but they would always say M4 was musical. And a lot of that was because of, you know, Hud's arrangements um, and just had a reputation of being like, you know, musically solid, solid arranger. Um, and I just always respect him. I didn't do much arranging back then. You know, I still don't arrange for like marching band or anything, but um, I do a fair amount of horn arranging um, now and just, Watching him work was definitely inspiration. Oh, it was, it was certainly an inspiration to a lot of folks. Uh, kept it real, shot from the hip. <laughs> Being on the dots, man, with Hood at night. I mean, because he was ready to go many nights. Uh, definitely yeah. in the very beginning, doing our crab years. I mean, I would say after our year, no one stayed out past nine o'clock. We used to be out eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. <laughs> yeah, like before, like a big game, we'd be up to like three o'clock in the morning. Yep. You know, and then, and then have to be on the bus at like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Being no out trouble. <laughs> and that's what was also was a culture shock, which was bites. Being out there on the dots and getting ate up by those mosquitoes, dude. I used to be like, dude, we got to leave this place. We got to go. <laughs> yeah, and those, uh, what are they called? Those, those real loud ones? Cicadas or whatever? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, the little cicadas? Yeah, they used to rattle like real loud. Like yep. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Bugs, man. Being on the yard was was it was definitely fun, but also, uh, Chris, 
each and every week on the Finesse Media Podcast, I ask my finessers, who's finessing the game for them? Is that a person? Is that a brand? It doesn't matter. But what comes to your mind when you hear that Vanessa word and the tie-in person or brand that comes to mind for you? Um, my wife is doing it. She there you it go. Big. She has her own business. There yeah, you yeah. Go. I got, I got to plug it. You know, it's there called Weedology go. Tours, um, and they do cannabis tours and experiences um, in LA. Um, so whether that be taking people, taking tourists to the like the the best in um, dispensaries, or they do like paint and puffs uh, events, and they also do. Um, just different experiences, Mary Jane and music, um, cannabis, if you want to learn about the business side of things, um, in weedologytours.com, all the information is on there. She just all uh, dropped a merch line as well. Um, that's on the website as well. Super dope stuff, some hoodies, t-shirts, pillows. Uh, yeah, I got to plug it. She's no. finessing the game. She is finessing the game. Oh, no. I, I dropped that site again for our listeners who didn't catch it. How can they keep up with your wife? <laughs> Weedologytours.com, uh, and that's also the handle, Weedology Tours. Um, and everything you need to know is on there. More versatile. Oh, you know what? Outside of music, yes, I have been working <laughs> on my acting. There you uh, go. Uh, yes, yes. I've been uh, working on my acting. Um you know, I'm a part of the Screen Actors Guild, and I have an I have an agent, and who's I've done several commercials. I've done like seven or eight commercials. I've done a oh, Popeyes shit, commercial. Chris, you out here now, bro. Oh shit! Now we got to see Chris on commercials. Oh, yeah, you got on movie screens. Oh, Chris. I've, I've actually done quite a few commercials. I did a Popeyes commercial. Um, oh, you? Where I was, where I was actually acting in, in the commercial, and then I did the the, the jingle. I was like. I played the trombone jingle. I did that for that. That lasted about like a year. And so, what what has what has sustained you? You know, being consistently moving around and 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 moving in different rooms, and that energy is real, uh, Doc. And and I know you've seen some real stuff out there that you probably won't be able to you know ever share with public, and it's confidential. But being in these rooms, those NDAs are real. Man, I'm 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 serious. I don't even go there. Uh, with folks and asking about that because I just respect what you do honestly uh, and as your craft but being in these different rooms and, and around you know different sorts of energy what has sustained you and kind of kept you grounded man my faith in God um, my family uh, my wife is, is, a, is a really um, big help in my just my mental health um, and just you know having friends being able to just relax and and hang out with, 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 with your friends and, and people you can talk to and, and relax with. I feel like that just, you know, outside of work, I feel like that just brings you, centers me. It just brings you down to, to an earthly level. Like, okay, I'm, I'm cool. I'm not able, to, I'm able to just unwind around my friends and family. You know what I'm saying? Having a close network of friends. Hmm. Especially in this time in, in the pandemic, we're sitting with ourselves and we're less busy. You know, you can't get on the bus, you, you can't get on the plane. And, and I know that's probably a good thing for you because looking at your, your list of things, Doc, I mean, you have been moving since 2014, touring with folks. So this time may have been kind of great for you in terms of some rest and being a yeah. new dad too. Congratulations, bro. <laughs> I, I tell people like, I, I look at this pandemic for me. I know it's a very sad time because there's a lot of people 
you know, who's affected deeply by this. But I, I, I'm grateful that I'm not traveling because I normally am, are traveling. If I'm not traveling, I'm gone, you know, from home eight, ten hours a day just at rehearsals or doing whatever that may be, traveling, tri driving, whatever. Um, I've just been at home. Man, I haven't missed the day of my son's life, and I'm super grateful for that. that you know, that's the way I'm looking at it. It's very optimistic. I'm grateful to see him grow and see him make all the little milestones. He's starting to crawl now. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't missed any of that. I'm mm -hmm. super grateful for that's that. Good. Uh, you know, and it, this couldn't have happened at a at a at a better time. At a better time, yeah. I was like, uh oh, Chris a dad, man, that is super duper dope. <laughs> But for people who are, you know, uh, musically inclined and talented and kind of want to get in um, the spaces of just being a musician and maybe a freelance uh, musician, not necessarily maybe on tour and touring around the world like Chris Johnson, but just want to get their foot in the game. What is some sound advice that you'll give someone that's searching to do that? All right. So, uh, first of all, make sure you're at whatever you do, whether it be playing an instrument or producing or writing or whatever, always sharpen your skills. That never stops from, you know, from whether if you're in school right now, you should always be doing that. Like when you're like, if you're still new to 50 years old, you're still going to be sharpening your skills always, you know. So always be sharpening your skills and never be at a point where of, of contentment and like, okay, I'm, I'm good, you know. Um, that's first and foremost. Like your, your skills have to be sharp always, you know. And compare yourself to very high standards, you know, to other people you admire. Um, then networking, you know, you, if you can be the best musician in the world. Nobody can. knows who you are, you know, you're not going to work. You're not going to be able to make any money. So networking, getting to know who those successful people are um, in whatever field that is. So taking being a musician, I'm a trombone player. Um, and I want to say, say, I want to go on tour with any named artist. Who's that musical director? You know, do they have horns already? If they don't, you know, who's that musical director? Uh, how can I strategically get him or her to know who I am? You know, okay, then I can go say, okay, who are they connected with? You know, who are other horn players that they've worked with in the past? Have they ever even worked with horn players? Maybe I can shop my, if I'm a horn player, maybe I can shop this little horn pack to them that I'm, I'm working on, like just to show them, hey, I'm serious about this or show him or her that I'm serious about this. There's a lot of great female uh, musical directors out there too. So getting to know who all the musical directors are, first of all, you know, um, getting to know who, um, well, just networking, make it short networking, you know, making friends. Networking goes past to like, hey, I'm this person and I want to do this. You know, actually getting to know these people and I guess they be, befriend them because the people who call me for gigs the most are my friends. Uh, and the people who I call for all the gigs that I, you know, I don't get to call people a lot. A lot of times I'm getting the call, you know, as a trombone player. But if I ever, I remember the position to call somebody, I'm calling my friends first. If they're not available, then I'm going to call this next best player. But I'm calling my friends first. And that's how I feel like everybody is because mm -hmm. people like to work with people they can get along with and people get along with their friends. So befriend people, you know, get to know a lot, as many people as you can and surround yourself with, you know, just great energy, great um, musicianship. And I feel like the work is going to come. 
Now, that's definitely good advice and sound advice for anyone that's looking to be a professional musician um, because this is, again, not easy, uh, and you have to be sharp. You have to be sharp, uh, and you have to be ready. Yeah, I feel like the, your skills, because there's so many people who have the, the skill, that's just a part of it. Like, your, your, your talents and your skills is only, like, a very small part of it. I feel like the big part of it is, is your, your personality. Nobody wants to work with an a-hole. First of all, you know, nobody wants to work with a, a socially awkward person. You know, sometimes you're just that good enough and they'll work with you like that. Because, you know, I know some musicians that are very like out there, but everybody works with them because they're so, they're undeniable. So that's another thing, be undeniable. And that is hard to keep somebody out the room who's just that great. You know what I'm saying? Because people are going to want that on their project, on their, yeah. oh, they're going to they're gonna want that. So be, undemi- be undeniable. Um, and if you're not undeniable, be a great person, you know, because you don't always have to be the best, you know. Sometimes, like, I feel like my, my, myself, I'm like, I'm not the best trombone player out there by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes I get calls over other trombone players um, who may be better than me, but maybe I mesh more in this situation than I would, you know, than this other person would. Maybe I, I already know half the band, or maybe, you know, uh, it's it's all depends about like the person you are, you know, you're a good person, you're a person people can relate to and people can get in and mesh with, um, you're going to get called, mm-hmm. you know? You know, being humble would be getting you in rooms that money, uh, and then, you, you know, uh, um, experience just couldn't provide. So yeah. that's really, really good sound advice. Cause that's what I like. Always- work three. That works for even outside of the music business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are just basic skills um, that you just laid out uh, for our listeners because connecting with folks is is, is definitely um, vital in this particular uh, situation that we're in. Black folk, we have to stay connected and then also just make sure that you also scan the room because not everybody that are, that is out here, you know, has that talent and they can bring that professionalism and they can, you know, really stay connected um, sustained in whatever position that you call them to be in. So you got to watch out also for those people that you bring in on the stage. And that's another thing too, clubhouse. This um, thing has been going crazy. Thank you for the invite. You done brought me onto the stage. You done brought me onto the platform. How has that experience been? What you think about it, man, so far? I love clubhouse. It's a little, it's a little too addicting for me. There's so, <laughs> so much on there. It's so broad and it's so new. Uh, people are still figuring it out, you know, um, Clubhouse, for those who don't know, is a new app that is blowing up. It's been around for, ju- I believe, just a few months. Um, I joined back in, I think, November, and my wife invited me, and she joined, like, I think sometime in October. She had been talking about it, and I was like, what is, why are you always on your phone now? Like, <laughs> why are you always So, like, wait, who invited your wife? Um, somebody she was networking with for her, her, uh, for her business. And okay. they're like, yo, you should be on this app because it's very good, great for entrepreneurs uh, and people who want to get into business, people who want to get into anything. I feel yeah, like absolutely. there's rooms on Clubhouse. It's, 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 a, it's an app, first of all, let me explain it. It's an app, and, the, and in this Clubhouse, they have different clubs or rooms um, where they have different topics, whether that be um, music executives listening to people's music and critiquing it, or whether it be somebody breaking down um, the stock market, whether that be people talking about real estate, mm-hmm. um, money management, 
uh, the list goes on. Anything, any topic, period. People are talking about herbal remedies, natural healing. Um, yeah, it's, it's all kind of stuff on Clubhouse. And, and people giving gems on there. People are really, and, and people are tapping in with, um, that's another thing they say on the app all the time, tapping in. Tapping in and tapping in gems. I was going to say that too, like dropping gems. Dropping yeah, gems. Yeah. I said, so apparently dropping gems is the word or code word. Uh, yeah, it's just clubhouse lingo. They say it on there all the time. Um, yeah. But it, it's great for networking, for sure, um, and getting to know more people who, who like-minded people or people who have different minds. You can just explore it, you know. Clubhouse, you know, if you're not on it, try to find out who it is, who is on it to get you an invite. Uh, I believe, like, you only get a couple invites um, to start off with. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's, it's, it's tying it back to what you said, networking. It's a really cool networking tool. So be intentional. I say, you know, with anything, I mean, whatever you're doing, definitely be intentional and in how you use these platforms, because I think you speak a different language on every platform. What you do on, and say on Facebook is definitely different. What you'll do and say on Twitter and et cetera. So this app, if you're invited, and I think everybody at some point will be, it'll be like Facebook, right? Remember when you started off, we had the EDU accounts. Uh, being in the library on campus and oh, yeah. that experience. And then it opened up and it was like... Go, go, to, go to the tech thing downstairs to get you a UAPB uh, password for your... your uh-huh, <laughs> your ex-librarian. Hey, what's the password? What's the password? And you have to slip it or give it to you. Um, but now, I think it, once it opened up, you know, it'll probably be a little bit different, but I hope that it's honestly my opinion about it. I think it's a cool tool, but I also believe that it should stay invite only, though. And I don't know how you keep that. I guess you can keep that down, but at the same time, I think it just still should be invite only. But then also, I think what would help it if it's still open up is that you can create still these closed rooms and people will be able to just be in those rooms, you know, in those spaces talking and then just inviting folks, tapping folks in, as you said, <laughs> you know, into those rooms. Yeah, so uh, Clubhouse is definitely. Uh, useful tool I found, you know. Uh, it's some, it's some, it's some mess on there as well, um, some riffraff on there, but seek through that and 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 use it for what you need it for. That's what I say. No, you definitely be intentional uh, when you're doing the clubhouse. But 2021, it's almost time. We're a couple of hours away from it. Um, so again, brother, thank you for joining the podcast on this episode uh, for the last episode of 2020. So 2021 is coming up, 48 hours, brother. Um, what's to be expected, man? What What are you working on? What should we get ready for? Man, like I said, I'm working on this album. I'm writing for it and producing for it. Um, that's what I, my biggest thing right now is working on this album. Um, I really want to put out something that people can relate to, people can, can feel, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm a very big uh, fan of music that I can I can feel, you know, hearing it is one thing, but feeling it is another thing, you know. Um, so I want to be on a sonic uh, resonance where I can just make people feel this music that I'm gonna I'm gonna put out. So if if it's not ready by 2021, that's that's the reason because I want to make sure everybody feels this music and and can and it can be it can be touched by it. You know what I'm saying? All right, man. I'm I'm be pushing. I'll be waiting. I'll be supporting. As always, man. Uh, definitely, you always have a supporter in me. 
I'm always shouting you out in circles and conversations saying, man, I know a brother who's finessing the game so humbly, man. Um, when my wife met you, she was like, dude, he does all that? She's like, he's just not. I'm like, yeah, he's always been like that, too. You know, always been, you know, this humble dude, straight up, you know, cat. Uh, but Chris Johnson, man, you're definitely a guy who's finessing the game. And I thank you for joining the podcast and, uh, you know, letting our listeners. Like, why am I so, people ask me why I'm so humble or whatever. Like, you know, I don't consider myself a celebrity at all. Like, I play with celebrities from time to time, but I don't, I'm not a, I'm, I, I see their world. I'm not a celebrity. You know, I actually don't want to be a celebrity because mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of like a burden. You know, you got to, you got to be on all the time, you know. You got you to gotta deal with fans all the time. Way too much. You. you know, working with people I've worked with, Kanye, uh, Beyonce, the list goes on. Like, it's a whole nother level of, of fame that people don't realize that, um, you know, some certain certain freedoms you don't have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're rich and famous, but you're not, you're not completely free because you can't just walk on the street without being mobbed, you know? Um, so I feel like I don't, I wouldn't want that, especially not that level of fame. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just a humble trombone player, you know, humble musician. I'm just a vessel, you know? Uh, and then still giving back too, because that's big too, helping other folks and, and, and developing their craft. That's, that speaks volume, right? So that's another part of selflessness and being humble, just saying, hey, listen, I'm good. I want to give this talent and share this talent and give these lessons. So uh, definitely continue to do that because I'm sure you're inspiring so many people, uh, you know, to continue on, you know, their journey. Because the music thing is not easy, man. It is not easy uh, to do. It, it takes a, yeah. a, a strong person uh, to say, hey, I'm going to be a musician for, for a living, you know, and, and get it's these not for things. everybody. No, it's not. It's not. And you found a way to, you know, tap into it, uh, using that word again, but tap into it really and, and, and find a way to kind of grab the bull by the horns or the horns by the bull, bull by the horns and ride that shit, man. And, I, and, I, and I've and i been watching you for so many years and I'm like, dope. Do continue to do it, and so 30, 40 more years, man. I'll still be here. Like, look at my guy, that's my crab brother, that's my CB finessing the game and uh, and doing it right in front of your son, man, because he's watching you for real. That's the biggest supporter you, you know, have right there. Your, your lovely wife, uh, who's super dope and lovely as well, and she's super chill too. And man, her birthday party was a whole mood. Uh, a couple was it about a couple of years ago or a year ago, dude. I seen y'all out there, and I'm like, dude, y'all having a good time. So you celebrate. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back because it's what I want to know about it. So when you're on these different tours, how's that been? Moments where you get ready to go, you're like, hey, we about to do on this, we have to go on this tour, and then it falls through. Um, that's yes, it's happened a couple times. Um, actually, my first tour ever um was with a group called under the street lamp and it's like a kind of like jersey boys type of thing like theater kind of like um but we were supposed to be on the road for i think like two and a half months um and the tour started we we i was i flew out to chicago to meet them get on tour buses go out you know and as soon as we get on the bus the tour manager says so guys i have bad news this two and a half month tour, wherever long it's supposed to be, has been taken down to two weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I was already not going to get paid that much. Um, 
but it was like a consistent work for like, you know, two and a half months, you know, uh, and it was during the summer. I was like, cool. You know, I didn't have any kids at the time. Um, I was like, man, I'm going to go get this bread. It's not the best bread, but I'm going to go get it. And it's, you know, do steady bread for two and a half months. That's Got to take it down to two weeks, you know. Yeah, um, two and, two and, super crazy. Yeah, you know, uh, but that it just happens. This, this is in the music business. Is nothing is promised to you, you know. No gig is yours um, until your name is on that billboard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people get in a gig, um, like they they get on tour with an artist, and they say, "This is this is this is my gig. I'm this gig is gonna last for years." I made it, you know, I'm on tour with Beyonce, I'm on tour with whoever, Megan Thee Stallion, whoever, I'm on tour, and, and, I'm, and I've arrived. Like, no, Megan has arrived, Beyonce has arrived, you haven't arrived yet, this gig is theirs, this is not your gig, you know, you're just here to help out at this moment in time, you know, mm-hmm. no gig is yours, so, you know, if you get an artist, if you get in a gig with an artist, or working in somebody else's band, as a background musician, you know, don't get too attached to that gig because at any given time, they can say they don't want your instrument anymore. They want somebody else to play your instrument. You know, I'm a horn player. They go like, oh, I don't want horns on this tour. I don't want horns anymore. I'm not feeling this direction anymore, you know. And so want- that, that has to be a little bit scary being, again, in L.A., but just being in the entertainment business where, again, like you say, somebody else can play your part. Someone else can grab your horn. But there has to also be... Uh, something said about this journey that you're on without an agent or well, with an agent, um, but without necessarily um, a, a backing that's putting you in these rooms. So, cause how does these connections happen? How do you connect the dots to, you know, be on tour or be on certain albums? I mean, do you have a manager? So I have an agent, but my agent is for my TV work, commercials, um, print, stuff like that. So stuff for like for being on camera Mm -hmm. but as far as being behind the mic being being an actual like musician I don't have an agent at all I don't have a manager either I do have um what I have is is friends I have colleagues I have uh associates who I who I work with who I who I network with you know and I'm always every time I do a gig it leads to another opportunity so if I so, for example, if I'm doing a, a a horn session, a recording session, where there's a horn section, and there's maybe my friend who called me for it is a trumpet player, but I've never met the saxophone player before. So I go and do this recording session. I killed it. I get the saxophone player's number. He gets my number. That's another connection. So he's going to remember next time he wants a trombone player, man, that guy Chris Johnson, he sounded great on that one session. He'd be great for this. And that's how it happens, you know? Uh, developing relationships, you know. Um, so every time you, you have an opportunity to prove yourself, you need to make sure that, you know, you're doing just that. It's proving yourself that you can do this job, you know, mm-hmm. making a mark, leaving a lasting um, uh, a lasting memory in, these pe- in, in the people you're working with head. So those are the people who are going to call you for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Everything leads to, every gig leads to another gig. And what's what you what is you know what what is the legacy or the name I don't want to you know kill you off but just saying you know long term you know what is the legacy that you want to leave behind you know the Chris Johnson brand you know that people know you as definitely the musician uh, dad 
you know, entrepreneur, because again, you're doing this toe-to-toe, grassroots by connecting. But what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? I want to. I want people to say that Chris Johnson was a great person. First of all, first and foremost, a good person, great person to be around, um, who didn't cause any drama. Because I, I try to stay away from drama, you know, <laughs> for, for you know. And I want to, I want people to say Chris Johnson's a great musician, but but a great person first, you know, not just a great trombone player, or a great musician, but a great person first. Um, that's my main thing. I w- I want to prove that to people that I'm a good guy good person um and i feel like that's most important you know your 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 overall being rather than like what you do like who you who are you you know um that's the legacy i wanted to to leave that's what's up bro yeah yeah it's um it's it's not easy but you managed to do it man so um yeah just it's not easy you know this, the job of being a musician is not easy at all. I equate it to I equate like us to being like uh, co- comedians. There, they have a similar hustle. You got to be a hustler, you know. You got to like, okay, I'm not. What? How can I use this opportunity to to advance me? What can this lead to anything else? You know, you got to be like, what's what's the next thing? Because otherwise, you're gonna just sit there um, and and wait for the phone ring, if nobody knows who you are, if you haven't made these connections, you know, if, you are, if you're not connecting with people, nobody's going to know to call you, mm. if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. You, know, you can be the, the best musician in the whole wide world, be able to play all the licks, be able to write your butt off. Um, people don't know you, they can't call you. Yeah. They're not going to call you. Let folks know your name. I've always said that, listen, no matter the connections, uh, you know, that I may or will come out of the connections, I think what I want to leave is my name and my footprint. And so just if folks can remember your name, that's what matters the most, man. So, uh, Chris, get on out of here and uh, happy 2021 to you, my brother. And you guys be safe in the new year. I no, can I can I play a little can I play a little Diddy Diddy real quick? Oh, you definitely can do it. You definitely can do it. Oh, you definitely oh, you definitely can do it. I I haven't warmed up at all. I'm putting a lot of. Oh, see, now the devil gonna be busy and try to cut us off. Let me wait till it clears up. Oh, you definitely can play it. You definitely can play it. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. Uh, you, ready? you definitely can rock it out, man. Chris Johnson. Happy New Year's, everybody. Be safe. Happy 2021 for Next Media Podcast Season 3.
been another edition of the Finesse Media Podcast. Join us again next week for the latest news from HBCU. Special guests and co-hosts. Thank you for listening to the Finesse Media Podcast. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.